Good morning and welcome to Daily Devotions. My name is Israel and it is a privilege to encourage you on this Monday morning. We are continuing on in week two of our new devotion series called Sent Out by the Holy Spirit, where we unpack what it means to be sent out by the Spirit, how the Spirit's at work in the church, following on the great commission of the church, and in Pentecost, which is finally the church empowered and the church sent out into the world. So we're looking at this concept of what does it look like to be sent out by the Holy Spirit. Last week, our core passage was rooted in Ezekiel chapter 37, the valley of the dry bones receiving life again, coming together and being raised up as a mighty army that the church was sent forward. This week, we are going to be unpacking one of the great pneumatological passages, passages concerning the Holy Spirit, and that is in John chapter 16. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to encourage you to open it up and read it with me. And it's a little bit of an interesting topic initially, but don't worry, I'm going to unpack it with you well. So if you have your Bible with you, open to John chapter 16, and we are going to read, let's say, verse 1 to verse, all the way to verse 7. Um, Let's do verse 9. Verse 16, I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that they are doing so because they are offering worship to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. And this is it. The the chapter is called The Work of the Spirit. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin, because they do not believe in me, about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer, and about judgment, because the ruler of this world have been condemned. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, big words for a Monday morning. Sin, righteousness, and judgment on a Monday morning nochal. But it's not that complicated, and we're going to unpack this just a little bit now. So Jesus tells the disciples, essentially, that when they got onto all the world, they will face backlash. They will face persecution. And I think that's the reality we sometimes understand as the church. A lot of the parts of our church, particularly in the Middle East, the church faces incredible persecution. And a lot of people experience death. And indeed, it was the lived experience of the disciples in the early church. It was so normative for Christians to be persecuted and even be put to death in the first century of the church being sent out into the world, that the word, the Greek word to be a witness, is the word for martyr. 
But nowadays, the word martyr has become synonymous with someone who dies for their faith. And that is because to be a witness for Jesus in the first century very often meant being killed for their faith. And so Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to be facing these persecutions, just like he's still telling the church today that in our mission of being sent out, we will face persecution. But then he says we shouldn't worry about this. Because he's leaving, and that shouldn't fill us with sorry. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. I spoke briefly last week about the fact that most people would prefer Jesus in the flesh over this loved experience of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus thought for this era of history that we find ourselves in, this era where the church is sent into the world, that it's better for him not to be with us in the flesh so that we can have the Holy Spirit than for him to have remained with us. It says, If I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The word advocate there used is a Greek word parakletos or a paraclete. It means in a lot of other English translations, the word is rather translated as a helper. And the word parakletos or a paraclete is someone who comes alongside you and walks something out with you. Sometimes when when boats have to be docked into a harbor, a secondary smaller boat maybe will come and sort of help steer the boat into the right direction. That is also a modern term used as a paraclete. And what Jesus is saying here in this definition of paraclete is twofold. He's saying that the Holy Spirit in the midst of persecution will act as an advocate, in other words, defending us. But the Holy Spirit will also act as a helper. Now, you better understand the Holy Spirit as a helper when you understand the Holy Spirit is sent to the church in the context of the great co-missioning. Co-missioning means we mission together. The mission of the church was never supposed to be done on our own. The mission of the church was always supposed to be done by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said to the church, it's like, here's the Great Commission, but stay and wait in Jerusalem until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Receive power upon high. The church was never supposed to pursue the Great Commission outside of the divine enablement and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, that's three very big words, but the Apostle John goes on to unpack it for us a little bit. And it's particularly verse 9 that we are looking today that I want to unpack with you. It says about sin, because they do not believe in me. The word sin in Greek is actually an archery term. It means for someone to have missed the target or missed the mark. When someone shoots a bow and arrow at a target, the goal, the bull's eye, as we would say in English nowadays, that was the target that you were meant to hit. To have sinned was to miss the target, miss the mark. Now, what does it mean for humanity to sin? Humanity were created to be the image bearers of Jesus the image bearers of God. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. We were meant to reflect the nature of God into the world. To sin 
is to fail at being a genuine image bearer of God. It means when our, when our actions, our, our addictions, our lifestyles is not reflective of the image and the likeness of God. It is of a failure to be genuinely human. Now, if you've ever wondered what it means to be genuinely human, look towards the life of Jesus. He came and modeled to us what it means to be the perfect imprint of the Father. That's Hebrews 1 verse 2. That Jesus is the perfect imprint of the Father. And he modeled to me what, to be, what it means to be genuinely human. And so the Apostle John says here that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world according to sin, righteousness, or sometimes translated as the word justice, and judgment. Now, oftentimes when we read passages like this, it's easy to slip into an understanding that the church will exist while the Spirit is over there convicting the world according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. But then you quickly realize that the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything on earth if it's not done through his church. Everything that the Spirit does on earth, he does through his church. Which means, although the passage says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. What it's actually saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit will convict the world through his church according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. It means that the church needs to become the avenue through which the world is held into account for its failure to be genuinely human, for its failure to live righteousness, and its failure to live out godly judgment. Now, we're just looking at verse 9 today, which says, failure, this according to sin, because they do not believe in me. What the mission of the church by the enablement, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit was always supposed to do was to become the avenue through which the church shows the world why we need to believe in Jesus and how belief in Jesus leads to humanity living up to that call of being genuinely human, genuinely image bearers of God. The church, through the empowerment of the Spirit, is supposed to help the world into belief with Jesus. And that's why the Great Commission sends us out into all the world to proclaim to the whole creation, to make disciples of all nations, not just individual people, but entire regions. The church is supposed to keep entire regions into account to live according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so the work of the Spirit, which we're going to unpack this week, is not something that we as the church get to look on from the periphery. It is something that the church is doing actively and the Spirit is doing through the church. We're not doing it on our own power. We're not doing it in our own opinion. We're not doing it in our own strategy. We do it under the guidance, the leading, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit sent out into the world to keep the world accountable according to sin because it does not believe in him. I hope today's been an encouraging devotion for you with three big words like this. Join us again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. as we continue to unpack all of this. But can we pray first? Holy Spirit, thank you for your divine enablement given to the church. Thank you for the incredible path that you walk with each and every single one of us. And Father, will you come and help us to step into a revelation of what you designed us to be so that our lives can hit the mark, can hit that bullseye, that we can be 
genuinely human, genuine image bearers of you, our Father. Whatever it is we're facing today, I thank you that your presence is with us and remains with us, and that by your power we are sent into all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me this morning. We're going to see you again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Have a blessed Monday.